The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week, we are not rocking a guest, and there are a couple reasons for that. One, if you missed last week's show with Tony Smith-Thompson, I'm really proud of that one because it actually is imbued with a bit of optimism about how we can reclaim our history, particularly our history at the intersection of sports and politics. So I want folks to go back and listen, re-listen, and really get into what Tony Smith-Thompson was saying last week. But also, this week... I really want to sit with some of the latest news coming out that Colin Kaepernick may actually have a shot again at the National Football League and also talk a little bit about what's happening in San Francisco with the Giants and their manager Gabe Kapler's announcement that he's not going to be coming out for the anthem any longer. So let me start by talking a little bit with some choice words about what's going on with Colin Kaepernick. Okay, look, for five years now, I've covered Colin Kaepernick's exile from the National Football League. For five years, I've bayed at the moon about how the NFL chose to blackball a quality quarterback because he had the temerity to care enough to protest police violence during the National Anthem. For five years, I've written about the terrible quarterbacks finding job after job while Kaepernick had his nose pressed up against the window. For five years, I've written about how Kaepernick has been training six days a week for a possible shot at returning, even when so-called experts said that day would never come. Now, after five long seasons, it looks like Kaepernick is finally getting his shot. And I gotta be honest to y'all, I'm having a difficult time trying to care and trying to see this as the triumph that by all rights, it should be this should be the fairy tale ending to the Kaepernick saga, or at least the ending of a central chapter. The team that looks willing to take a chance on the talented pariah is none other than the Las Vegas Raiders, an organization that for 50 years has adopted a kind of rebel image, moving from city to city and happily signing players with checkered pasts. This image and reality was fashioned by the late franchise owner Al Davis and continues on with his son Mark. This is also a team that has spent the last year mired in scandal on numerous fronts and wouldn't mind changing the narrative. Mark, like his father, is not exactly beloved in ownership circles, and one gets the feeling that this is the way he likes it. Mark Davis floated a trial balloon in February when he said in an interview in not exactly a subtle fashion, I believe in Colin Kaepernick. 
He deserves every chance in the world to become a quarterback in the National Football League. I still stand by. If our coaches and general manager want to bring him in, I would welcome him with open arms. All this adds up to the Raiders being an almost cinematic stopping point. The story could also mushroom. If Kaepernick makes the team after a five-year layoff, it could be an incredible indictment of the NFL for the time he lost, and every week it would put Kaepernick in the center of the league's news cycle. Ooh, and if the Raiders starter Derek Carr gets benched or hurt, and Kaepernick gets in the game, the sports world would stop spinning completely. And yet, again, I'm finding it difficult to care. After five years of me covering this every damn day, after doing Kaepernick Watch on this podcast every week for years, I'm finding it difficult to care. One reason for that is, of course, the massacres in Buffalo, Orange County, and Evalde. It's difficult to feel much of anything in the face of such horrors beyond a weary sadness cut with jolts of outrage. The other reason it's difficult to care is that a whole lot of spin is coming and it's gonna be backed by a billion dollar media machine that critics could not begin to compete with. If Kaepernick does make the Raiders, watch it become woven into a narrative about how open the NFL has magically become. Watch the owners speak about how the league has evolved. Watch them say that this is proof that Kaepernick was never really blackballed, and that the very idea was the invention of a woke press. Watch them break their own arms, patting themselves on the back. They'll be shameless and hope that the public is too taken with the games on Sunday to even notice a real-time rewriting of the league's own history. They'll never say the truth. That beyond Mark Davis not really caring what the other franchise owners think, all it took was more dead bodies in the streets, a national crisis, and an ugly, ugly backlash for the league to finally blink. The entire situation reminds me of how Major League Baseball reveres Jackie Robinson today through a narrative that suggests that the league was on the right side of history, even if there were some random racist players. This ignores the fact that every team's chief executive, except for the Dodgers branch Ricky, voted not to integrate the sport. It also ignores the ways in which the other franchise owners drove the Negro Leagues into bankruptcy as they raided them for talent without compensation. If Kaepernick signs, the NFL will do in one week what it has taken the Major League Baseball world decades to accomplish, rewrite its role in its own history. What we need in the face of this is exposure of the past five years reality, but we also need the core belief that what we do actually matters. I believe this with all my heart, but today at least, I'm not there. Good luck to Kaepernick and well done to everyone who stood by his side. But please, hold the league accountable to the reality that it created. One where it stole a quarterback's prime because he dared to give a damn. We'll be back right after this, but first a quick word from the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation Magazine. Okay, look, the need for independent journalism has never been more important, and The Nation brings it each and every week like they've been doing since 1865. I'm serious. 
This is what you got to read. It's The Nation magazine. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe. And please never forget that when you support The Nation magazine, you are also supporting the continued existence of this podcast. So please subscribe. Go to www.thenation.com slash subscribe. And now back to the Edge of Sports podcast. Well, that's one piece of the news this week. The other piece of the news that I think is very important to discuss is what's happening with Gabe Kapler. He's the manager of the San Francisco Giants, and he's made the decision that he's not going to come out for the national anthem anymore. As he puts it, I'm not going to plan on coming out for the anthem until I feel better about the direction of our country. Now, this is not just if you're not a big baseball fan not just some regular old manager. This is the 2021 National League Manager of the Year. And he's been absolutely wrecked by what took place in Ovalde in particular. And this is something that he wrote on his own blog about it. He says, we weren't given bravery and we aren't free. The police on the scene put a mother in handcuffs as she begged them to go and save her children. They blocked parents trying to organize to charge in to stop the shooter, including a father who learned his daughter was murdered while he argued with the cops. We aren't free when politicians decide that the lobbyists and gun industries are more important than our children's freedom to go to school without needing bulletproof backpacks and active shooter drills. And later, Kapler wrote about his disillusionment with what he called, quote, the lack of delivery of the promise of what our national anthem represents. I want to read more of his words. He said, I am not okay with the state of this country. I wish I hadn't let my discomfort compromise my integrity. I wish I could have demonstrated what I learned from my dad, that when you're dissatisfied with your country, you let it be known through protests. The home of the brave should encourage this. Now, I want to talk about this for a second because I think what Gabe Kapler is doing is actually very important because he's not only talking about gun control, he's not only talking about the fact that 90% of this country wants at the very least background checks on automatic weapons, and yet you know, 50 Republican senators as well as uh, an organization, National Rifle Association, giving them millions of dollars are actually preventing legislation that's backed by 90% of the country. I mean, we don't live in a functioning democracy. We live in a failed experiment. And Gabe Kapler is really pointing that out. What Gabe Kapler is also doing is he's calling out the myth of the hero cop. I mean, I think that's been one of the remarkable developments this past week out of Ovalde is I think the image of the hero cop is just dead forever in the United States. And that in and of itself is actually a startling indictment of this country because this image of the hero cop did not die with the police murder of George Floyd. It did not die with the police killings of people like Eric Garner, uh, Sandra Bland, uh, Michael Brown, uh, Philando Castile, Alton Sterling. I mean, the list goes on and on. But you didn't see the end of the hero cop. You saw instead a minority of the population outraged and upset, even demonstrating in the streets in numbers like we've never seen before. But you still saw the bad apple argument propagated by the Democratic Party. You still saw the no bad apples. <laughs> They're just doing their jobs. God bless them. Argument from the Republican Party. And so that 
American archetype of the hero with the gun and the badge lasted over the dead bodies that we've seen pile up and spread on social media, over the hashtags. The hero cop has existed because people thought, well, even if flawed, they keep us safe. You look at what's happening right now. You look at the response to Uvalde. The hero cop is dead. And Gabe Kapler is helping raise awareness to that reality. Now, I also want to say that I'm hearing a lot of people say, Gabe Kapler, it's good he's doing that. And I'm hearing people on the left say this. It's great he's doing that, but he's not getting nearly the backlash of Colin Kaepernick. This shows a racial double standard. And it makes me even roll my eyes a little bit at Gabe Kapler. I think that approach is a mistake to say that. Because there are a lot of big differences between Colin Kaepernick and Gabe Kapler. One of those differences is the question, yes, of whiteness. But one of the differences is also a question of contractual power. I mean, Colin Kaepernick was in the last year of a contract in a sport that doesn't even have guaranteed contracts uh, coming off the bench when he started protesting. And frankly, that's made what he did a lot more daring. Gabe Kapler is coming off the Manager of the Year award. So he's in a much more secure place. I think that is a consideration. I also think it needs to be a consideration that uh, Colin Kaepernick was taking on the police directly for the killings of black people. You know, that's a different kind of political question and approach and frankly, much more dangerous than doing what Gabe Kapler is doing, which is taking on the question of guns and also the question of the cowardice that the police showed in Uvalde, the blatant disregard for the lives of those children from the police in Uvalde. So it's it's a different political dynamic. It's a different contractual dynamic. And I think Gabe Kapler deserves our support, uh, even if he does have a leg up on Colin Kaepernick and less weight on his back than Colin Kaepernick. What Gabe Kapler is doing is brave. I support it a thousand percent. And as someone myself who does not plan on being out there for the national anthem, when I go to sporting events, I say more power to him. We'll be back right after this with a quick word from Edge of Sports. Hey, everybody out there. This is Dave Zirin with the Edge of Sports podcast. People got to know that we put this podcast on with elbow grease and, and bubble gum on a weekly basis. And we're proud of the work that we do. We love it. But we can't do it without support from you, the listener. So please go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod and support the podcast. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. Any little bit you might give to support the podcast actually makes a huge difference to the work we're trying to do. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. We appreciate you. Make no mistake about it. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. And now, we got a very interesting section for what we're just going to call Jake's Takes. Because it's easier to remember, even though we usually just say that about football. We got a great email from a listener named Mark Erickson that I want to read. And then, it's about baseball. And then Jacob and I are just going to discuss some of the issues that he raises. This is what Mark Erickson writes. He writes, Dear Dave and Jake, I have a question for Jake. Before last podcast, where he gave his opinion about Adley Rutschman, I don't think Jake had ever commented on baseball on the podcast. Which I haven't. It's mainly been football and basketball. 
I'm interested to know his take on the future of baseball and how much he's inclined to follow it. Also, what would cause or is causing him to want to follow it more and or what would cause or is causing him to follow it less. One thing I'm interested in hearing his take on is whether people his age are aware of the conditions in the minor leagues. Also, how does the diversity of players or lack of it contribute to or inhibit the popularity of the sport among those in Jake's generation? It's a complicated situation with so many international players from the Caribbean and Japan, yet fewer and fewer black Americans. Also, could baseball be a place for positive political atmosphere where young people can see themselves and their views represented meaningfully? And then he also asks any comments about Kelsey Whitmore, who's a female two-way player for Staten Island in the Atlantic League. Great player. And he says, are his kids, our kids, not are his kids, Jake has no kids, our kids his age even talking about or hearing about that? I'm definitely interested in hearing his perspective on these topics. Thanks. So, Jacob. Yes. Let us start with the first question. I'll just go through what Mark was asking. Okay. And we're just going to get your thoughts on each one. All right. All right, first and foremost, um, are you – interested in following baseball now and in the future absolutely i think this league is just getting better i mean i just there's so much young talent in the minors we're gonna talk start talking about the minors soon because you had a question about the minors but they, there's so much up-and-coming talent you know the, 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 the league's just getting better it's i mean i really didn't like baseball from ages since right when i was born to to maybe 12 but I just started getting into it over the pandemic, and I've just grown to love it. Mm. So, so yeah, I, I think it, it's on the rise. Now, uh, now okay, that's the first question. Um, wh why do you love it? Can you give us a reason? I mean, I well, know I, I, I was here with you. I saw think, you fall in love with it during the pandemic, but what, why? Well, look, based on being like an Orioles fan perspective, I'll get to that first. I, I really like the Orioles team. You know, there's a bunch of inter interesting players, you know, even though we're the worst team in baseball, arguably, and have been for the past four years plus. We right don't now. have the worst record, that's for sure. No, no, not right now, but we're overall, we're, pro we're, we're bottom five. And in the past five years, we've been god-awful, and we've made bad contract choices in the, in the, in the past, and bad trades that I've did every day. But I, I still like this team a lot, and I'm excited to see what it has in the future. So wait, can we, we have the, the best question? farm system in baseball. Yeah, I know. So but but the saying. question, Jacob, and we're going to keep recording here. We're not editing anything. The question here is why do you like baseball, not why, why do you like the Orioles? What is it about yeah, the game that you I find like entertaining? Baseball? Well, most people – most people my age yeah. don't really find it too interesting, but I really do like it. I mean, everybody says it's just it's so boring. You just got to wait for everything. But I, I still – it's very exciting, I think. I mean, like, sure, there's, like, a solid, like, 10 seconds between each pitch, and you got to wait and stuff. But it, it, you have to be patient to like it, you know? You have yeah. to be patient to like baseball. And it, I think it's a really fun sport. It has a lot of great moments. I think it's patience pays off. Like sports, like definitely, like it's like a, it's like basketball the, is such a fast pace. Yeah, like, and like football too, like that, you know, and football, football, basketball. It's like they're interesting from mm -hmm. the opening play. Baseball yeah. is to me like a movie. And yeah. Jacob, you might not know this phrase, but in movies, there's something called a slow burn, 
where yeah. a movie starts mm-hmm. slow, mm-hmm. but it slowly builds in tension. Yeah. And then by the end, you're just like, your mind is just blown. Yeah. And there are also people who like, who like other slow paced games like soccer and hockey. And, and like I'm fine with that, but I but I don't I don't understand why they don't like baseball as well. Because because just... well one reason is that I think soccer and hockey they would argue are constant movement. That's true, but there isn't really much like I I I don't like hockey. Yeah, I'm not a big hockey fan, and, and I do soccer, like watching I, soccer, but that's been a late in life soccer. thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really follow it either. I like going to games though, like yeah. soccer and hockey too. Like both those games make remarkably fun live sports, but so does baseball. Yeah. Baseball, baseball is awesome to go baseball to. Baseball is, is is arguably you can easily argue that it's the best game to go to. You know, like like in person. Yeah. Like going to a baseball game that that's that's a lifetime so moment. You know. Yeah, you remember those moments yeah, for a long time. But like, take the game as we're recording this. Jacob and I watched a game on TV last night, and it it's was like so thrilling. It I was mean, thrilling. The, the Orioles were down six zero and also down eight two at one point, and we came all the way back one twelve to eight. It was so fun exhilarating yeah it's exhilarating but you have to admit when it was four nothing six nothing i wasn't really. eight two we weren't really plugged into it because no. there's that concern that oh my god am i really gonna sit three hours and watch something that ends yeah. this way but yeah. but it's like but when there's that big plot twist in yeah, the third act exactly there's nothing like the baseball plot twist of course there's nothing like that moment a game can just switch like that like because momentum uh, like Pitchers and their confidence levels, I don't care how good you can be. If your confidence is all the way down here, I know you guys can't see me, but if it's all the way down here, you are as good as a high school pitcher. Yeah, it's true. And then all of a sudden, this pitcher who's this major league pitcher can't get anybody out. And yeah, because like they it have can such be two low outs. confidence. Sure, you're still throwing 90s, but all these all these hitters are so confident because you're just getting absolutely destroyed by by his teammates, and then he, it's just it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Okay, the next question is: um, Are you aware? You know, you're a big baseball fan. You're showing yes. that you're also a big, so people know, minor league fan, and that you yes. chart how the minor league prospects minor league game, are going. Games. I keep yeah. track of the top 100 prospects. So my question is, are you aware or conscious of something we've talked about on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which is that minor league players really don't have a lot of rights, don't make yeah, a lot of money, of have a very tough time? I'm aware. Not all young fans are aware, I don't think. I'm definitely aware of that, and I think it's a huge problem where these guys are getting paid such little money, and they have to live off of this to be a professional athlete, how much work you're doing. I mean, I just don't think... They're getting paid enough. I don't think they're getting treated well enough. The yeah. average major leaguer makes hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Of course. The Easily. average minor, maybe even over a million, the average salary. Oh, yeah. no, it's, it's over a million. The average minor leaguer can make like a grand a month. It, it's crazy Yeah. How, how, how little they get paid. And you have to be a really good minor to get paid like a hundred K a year. Well, usually it's because you have some sort of major league yeah. contract when yeah. you make that much. Yeah. But for most of the minor leaguers, I mean, forget about that. Yeah. And you have to be really good to make the MLB. So I, I really, they're making it so hard to to have uh, minor league baseball be a profession. Yeah. 
they're making it really hard to do that. These guys have part-time jobs just trying to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a difficult world to be a to be a minor league player, and it's something that we need to change. Well, also because you're going to see a lot of athletes, particularly from the United States, uh, choose not to see baseball as an athletic possibility. So we're not going to get the best athletes yeah. who become baseball players. Mm-hmm. And that gets the next issue is like, is it something you're conscious of or think about that? You know, baseball is a very diverse sport in terms of having players from Latin America, the Caribbean, mm-hmm. uh, Japan, uh, et cetera. Uh, but the dwindling number of black American players, is that, is that something that you're conscious of that you yeah, notice? It's, it's something concerning in my opinion, because I think if there were more, um, African Americans in the sport, then I feel like it would get, it would be more interesting. It would be more exciting because there's this tradition of black American players being the best players and, uh, being outspoken and, uh, having incredible, talent that they bring but like the best uh but the problem i want to say that the the best athletes are going into other sports but oftentimes the best athletes don't even see baseball as an option and that's the bigger problem to me is that baseball requires infrastructure baseball requires leagues baseball requires coaches and in a lot of communities there's no money for that of course and so you don't have little leagues in traditionally black communities. And that's mm-hmm. something I think Major League Baseball might want to think about funding more. Yeah, I agree. Because they're not getting funded yeah. by community centers and things like and that. It's really getting like, the, the, the diversity. Like I know you said it's like like the amount of like different – I don't know how I don't know how I'm supposed to say this. I mean there are a lot – it's really like diverse in one – in one percent, in one perspective, where you look at it, but it's also really, it's not diverse if you look at it in a different way. Yeah, no, that's that's well said. Um, and and just I want to point this out, like just so people know, in in our community where we live, like Jake, do we have a community center where we live? Yes, we do. Jake, does that community center have a basketball league? Uh, yes, it does. Jake, does that community center have its own baseball league? No. It, no, it doesn't. It, it, it used to, but it just it didn't get funded. so we're living this here like we're like because basketball is seen as a cheap sport you know you get very we're in a very diverse community extremely diverse so it's not like just like and there's no baseball yeah there's no baseball sucks and unless you have money yeah because like you have a good friend we're not going to say his name who plays baseball and doesn't it require like constant travel equipment money so expensive to play and and his parents are both teachers our, your friend's parents are both teachers, and yep. they they spend a significant amount of money so their and kid can and time so their kid can play baseball. He's really good though. So it's, yeah, he's really good. He, he I think he's gonna be. You think really so? Good. Yeah, I think you'd be surprised that the best player in one you know, community, a pitcher at thirteen that can throw seventy five, is amazing. Yeah. But I mean, I can't believe we're about to debate a thirteen year old. But you have to understand, you know. Like there's a funneling effect mm-hmm. where you have this incredible amount of talent at 13. Mm-hmm. I mean, your friend, I'm not going to say his name, could be the best athlete you ever know in your entire life, and he'll never get past single A baseball. That's, That's true. possible. That's true. That just to give you an idea of how how rare it is for people to hit those That's heights. Crazy. Um, okay, next question. Do you think this is a great discussion? Do you think 
baseball can be a place for a positive political atmosphere. Right before you came on, Jake, we were talking about Gabe Kapler. I don't know yeah, if you heard about Gabe yeah, Kapler. Yeah, Gabe Kapler, the, he's the Giants manager. Right manager now. of the year last year. Yeah, who's, who's refusing to uh, do the national anthem uh, and stand for um, all the school shootings. Yeah, right? because of the school shootings. The school That's right. Shootings. Okay, you're following it. So, and can you restate the question? What do you say? Oh, just do you think baseball can be a place that, like, you know, like it used to with people like Jackie Robinson and Roberto Clemente, it, like excite people into political It, it can be. It definitely has the potential to be, but like I said, like it's diverse in some ways. It's also diverse, like not really diverse in other ways. It's like mostly a white sport. Yeah, and there I, are there are a lot of Republicans in the sport. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a so right wing sport. It's definitely a right wing sport. Even and like, how much I love it, I still have to like. Be sure, honest. you can be honest about. It. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really right right wing sport. So I don't know if you can really be too honest. In this in this sport about where you stand politically because of how many uh, right wingers there are, which yeah. which actually makes what Gabe Kapler's doing I think particularly yeah. brave. Yeah, no, it is. That's because a good he point. Definitely has players that he's coaching who are who who might like him a little bit less because of what he's doing. Yeah, no, that's real. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, good point. And I didn't make that point in the um, when I spoke about Kapler. So mm-hmm. the actual political tradition of baseball is actually even different than the NFL. Mm-hmm. Even people think of the NFL as very conservative, but that's actually in ownership circles mm-hmm. as much as anything else, um, except for the occasional quarterback like a, like a Ben Roethlisberger who's blessedly gone. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to hang out with Trump and you know uh, harass women. Uh, but if if you mm-hmm. go to uh, baseball, it really is a lot of the players are pretty right wing. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, last question. Any comment about Kelsey Whitmore, female two way player for Staten mm-hmm. Island, yep. the Shaolin in the Atlantic League? Mm-hmm. So, what do you know about Kelsey Whitmore, Jake? Yeah, well, I know that she plays. Um, she is a relief pitcher and a right fielder, and she, you know, she's a switch hitter. So she's she's very. She has a, a unique set of skills, you know. Like not too many players like can really do that, especially yeah. like 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 Shohei Otani. Is he switch hitter though? Oh, that's no, right. That's no, right. Good point. Good Kelsey point. Wilmore. I mean, she's young. You know, she has potential. How old is she? Uh, twenty-three, almost twenty-four. Okay. And you know, she she has she has a lot of talent on her hands, and she could she could do something with that, you know. And she 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 and she could end up being a really 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 good player. For years to come. You know, there's a book I want to recommend to you, Jacob. It's called Stolen Bases, Why American Girls Don't Play Baseball. And it's very interesting because, you know, as you well know, uh, the the quote-unquote girls sport is softball. Mm -hmm. And there is actually, though, an amazing tradition, a hardball tradition Mm -hmm. of women. And they were steered towards softball Mm -hmm. because hardball was seen to be too much of a, like, quote-unquote masculine sport. So they go to softball and under pitch. Now it's not to say that you know women haven't made rather, softball their own thing. I'd rather get hit by a baseball going uh, seventy miles an hour than get hit by a softball going seventy miles an hour. Yeah, softball will mess you up. Um, but you know, just you should read that book, and I want to recommend it to everybody. It's called Stolen Bases: Why American Girls Don't Play Baseball. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm gonna look. I'm as as we're doing this show. Mm-hmm. Um. I am looking up the the author of the book. So yeah, Jennifer Ring. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Ring, terrific writer. Stolen bases. Why American girls don't play baseball.
Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much, Jake. Of course. That went well. It's fun. Thank you, Mark Erickson. Of course. Shout out. Thank you, Mark Erickson. Yo. So, yo, thank you also, David Tigabooth, the uh, producer of this podcast. Thank you so much to everybody out there listening. These are difficult times. Thanks for spending some of them with me. For everybody out there listening, please stay frosty. Mask up. We are out of here. Peace.